Hi everyone, before we go into the podcast, I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I'm super grateful for your continued loyalty and support. If you could do me a quick favour, if you could give me a review on Apple Podcasts, it really helps the algorithm and it will help this podcast go up the lists. If there are any subjects or topics that you want me to cover, uh, then please do reach out to me on uh, DM on LinkedIn and I will do my best to find the best guest for that subject or topic. This is the Absolute Business Mindset Podcast, created and hosted by Mark Hayward. This podcast will interview entrepreneurs, business owners, and people in their careers. We will delve into their journey to success, key life milestones, and go deep into their area of expertise. Get ready to learn from others' successes and failures. Today, we have Nikki Nash, who is an author, speaker, podcaster, and marketing mentor. Hello, Nikki. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. There's a lot to talk about. You do you do some amazing things. So um, let's start at the start with Nikki Nash and, and you as a marketing mentor. So tell me about your business. Yeah. So about six years ago, I quit my job as head of marketing at a tech startup. And I set out to help entrepreneurs get more leads, get more dream clients, and position themselves as the go-to expert. And so I do that through my business with everything from like private coaching and consulting to um, online trainings and group uh, sessions with folks. So it's been a lot of fun. And now with a book and a podcast as well. Amazing. And we'll get to both your book and your podcast. I just want to delve a little bit into your, um, into the marketing. So, so tell me what, um, how, how does, how does a marketing mentor differ from a business mentor? It's a great question. I think for a lot of people, um, marketing is seen as purely like, how do I get my name out there or social media or um, maybe even like online market, uh, offline marketing to a certain degree. But the reality is, is that a lot of what I do with my clients overlap with what a business mentor or coach would do, because I really look at what are you selling? Who are you selling it to? How are you selling it to them? And how do you keep your clients um, over and over and over again? So um, that is the bulk of what marketing is. And then I think where business kind of takes over or adds to it would be what are your operational systems and structures? Um, do you have financial systems and structures in place? Uh, how do you... Um, you know, create a business that you can sell if you want to sell it at some point. And so I think there's, there's definitely overlap. Um, and I tend to, in all honesty, you know, secret between me and you tend to do a lot of the business stuff as well with people, because I think a lot of those fundamentals are needed from a marketing perspective, but true marketing is, is more about how do you get in front of the right target audience with the right message and, um, get them warmed up to be ready to buy. Yeah. It's really interesting because I, when you were talking through that, it did sound like you did the business stuff as well. And a lot of the areas you were talking about, yes, lead generation and, and getting your name out there is marketing, but it's so intertwined with business that 
there, there would bound to be overlap. So, so that's great. Thank you. Um, one of the things when I was doing some research on you, you said that you, um, you now get me right. If I've, if I've said this right or wrong, I'm going to say you prioritize women entrepreneurs. I don't mean that as in that you wouldn't take men as, 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 as clients, but more it's a real focus for you to make sure that women entrepreneurs have the right support and the right, right focus. Do you think now in 2021, um, there is still a, a sort of gap between what women entrepreneurs, uh, can do and sort of like, do you know what I mean? Like, how, how do you, do you, do you think now in 2021, you do need to prioritize women entrepreneurs still, or do you think that entrepreneurs are entrepreneurs? Yeah. So I think, um, statistically women still women-owned businesses still generate less revenue than male-owned businesses. And there is a huge surge of women-owned businesses coming to fruition. It's it's growing at a faster rate than male-owned businesses. And when you also look at, you know, within the women-owned businesses circle, um, minority-owned businesses, you know, or women, <laughs> I'm going to totally mess this up, <laughs> but like, because I would just say like Black-owned businesses, women businesses, but that's not entirely the entire segment, but women who are minorities and starting businesses generate less revenue than their non-minority counterparts. And so I think that there's still a huge need to support um, women from an entrepreneurship standpoint. I mean, from a funding standpoint, there's still a gap in terms of how much funding um, women-owned businesses get compared to male-owned businesses. But I, I think even just um, that training and support and community is still really important. So that's why um, I kind of set out to really make uh, an impact with women-owned businesses, especially as a minority. I, I think I can relate to um, a lot of the minorities who are women starting businesses as well. So I just did a, I did a podcast, a solo podcast about discrimination and the different mm-hmm. types of discrimination. And I used three, I used three metrics, um, uh, race, um, uh, gender and social mobility as three different ways. Why do you think that that, that those three areas suffer from not getting the right funding, not getting the right exposure to the right clients and, and winning work? What, what, what do you think the sort of, driving forces still that's 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 holding those businesses back yeah you know i i will not pretend to be an expert on this but i can tell you just my experience and, and my hypothesis you know as a, a black woman who has a business and an entrepreneur when i look at you know role models or people whose careers you can model in general there's not a ton of really well-known entrepreneurs that aren't especially outside of the entertainment segment. Mm -hmm. And so I think just um, in terms of having role models or people to look up to, having um, maybe potential mentors in your close circle or network has been um, pretty limited for for me personally. If I'm looking for people who kind of look like me and are willing to say like, hey, you know, you remind me of myself and bring me up. You know, that being said, I have uh, one of my dad's best friends is uh, white, and male and fabulous at business. And he mentored me growing up. And so I I think even though um, there are a number of people who um, 
would support anybody regardless of race, gender, age, social, economic class. I still think that there are um, just certain exposure to knowledge and people and resources that becomes limited if you um, aren't immersed in a culture that has people like you in it, you know? Um, so I think that's part of it. See, the reason why I, I so, so I've, I've worked in a corporate career for a long time and, and, and I, and genuinely not necessarily in any of the three areas, but genuinely you get on people. I think about this, how to phrase this, but people that look like other people and you sort of have a connection with them because the, the, because of color, uh, social mobility, whatever it is, I can see that, that I might promote that person because that person reminds me of me. And therefore uh, if, if I'm white and I see a black person, then maybe that is, then I might not promote you. I'm not saying that's my view, but just sort of that's like people do promote people that remind themselves of, of them. But as an entrepreneur, there's something very, one of the beauties of entrepreneurship is that the market is the market. And if you've got a good product or service, um, I would like to think, and maybe I'm being naive here, I would like to think that um, it doesn't matter what creed, color, race, whatever, it matters. Because if you've got a great product that you're selling, that will that will work in the market. They, they, I, I always thought there was an honesty about entrepreneurship that, that if your product or service was good, you would do it, you would succeed, whatever sort of color or creed you are. Um, I would, I I think fundamentally or like at the highest level, there's truth to that. Um, but I still think that people who have a good idea in a market can still mess up their business by not understanding, you know, whether it's business fundamentals or, you know, um, having the right mindset or things like that. And a lot of those kind of business skills and know-how come from, um, either failing a ton <laughs> and sometimes you don't have, if you like some people fail, like I fail all the time, but like some people can't come back economically from their, their entrepreneurial failures to do it again. Um, but also I think having mentors or consultants or resources that can kind of guide you or even just exposure, you know, um, I listen to a ton of audiobooks because I'm fascinated by how people do things and what they've learned um, from a business perspective, exposing yourself to those resources and, and knowledge, that type of knowledge, I think can help mitigate how badly someone falls. It's like having training wheels, like, you yeah, know, yeah, you, yeah. you're supported for a little bit, but eventually you're going to need to take the training wheels off and you'll still probably fall, but it hopefully won't be as bad. Yeah. Okay. Um, thank you. Um, why do you think business owners now need a personal brand? We'll be back after a quick break. If you want tips and strategies on how to start, grow, and monetize your business online, check out the Digital Revolution podcast with Eli Adams. We interview digital experts from around the world that share their personal stories. They talk about what they're currently working on and where they see the future going. But most importantly, they share tactics in their specific area of expertise with the hope of helping you improve your digital presence online. You can listen to the Digital Revolution podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, or simply click on the link in the show notes below. Oh, this is such a good question. I think um, 
there's been a trend and I honestly think pandemics probably expediated this or, or heightened it a bit, but there's been this trend of um, people who are buying products, whether you're selling a B2B product, like if you're a business to business entrepreneur, you're selling to consumers, but the end buyer wants to feel like they know the person they're buying from. And I think, you know, fundamentally business was relation based, especially back in the day. Um, and I think for a little bit, it's a little bit distant from that, <laughs> you know, like, oh, I'm buying this thing and maybe I don't need to know who the, the owner of the business is or what the business is or what they're doing for the world or the universe or things like that. But I think now people just care more about where they're spending their dollars, who they're building um, or paying money to, um, that the company really has their back, that they're maybe, you know, making an impact with the money that they spend. And so having a personal brand where people know who you are, what you stand for, why you created this business can make a huge impact in people's buying decisions and also can give you way more exposure to you and your business and your brand. That's really interesting. Um, I think, I, th- I think you're right. I think personal brands, um, as you say, people want to know the story behind it just as much as what, what service they provide. I think that's fascinating. Um, what is strategic storytelling? Yeah. You know, strategic storytelling is, is very much aligned with building a personal brand. And um, one of the things I just really quickly, because I forgot to mention it, the other thing why personal branding is important is be- for client retention. Because, you know, if you're in a market, especially where people hop around from brand to brand, if they feel connected to you, they're more likely to stay loyal to you. And that's why um, when you think about, okay, well, how do I get my message or my story out there? You want to do it in a strategic way. And I'm not saying like, oh, I'm going to strategically tell my story this way and everybody's going to follow me and, and buy my product or service. But what I mean is, is sitting down and thinking, okay, what would somebody need to know think or believe about our product or service or me as a person to want to, or to feel confident in choosing to buy from us or not, and for choosing to stay a customer or not. Right. And when you can sit down and think, okay, well, you know, what's important to my target audience or things that they're going to care about, or they're going to think about are, I'm going to make things up. Um, I'll actually, I'll use myself as an example, but my clients and customers typically like that. I have, failed a ton of times. And I'm more than willing to share that, right? They, they want to know that I, they're speaking to somebody who knows what they're going through. Um, they often want to know that I've had the success that they're looking to have in their business. They're, they're curious about that journey so that they can prepare themselves for going through it. They want to know that it's possible for them, especially before they invest, right? And so if I know this about my audience, then I can sit down and go, okay, well, what stories can I share that will show that I know what it's like for them, that I can show that I am where they want to be, that I can show um, the process that I went through and why working with me is going to give them the experience on that journey that they want. And so when you can sit down and think that way, then you can go, okay, well, then these are the stories that I have that I should really be publicly sharing. And you choose the medium that's right for you. You know, some people, it's going to be podcasting. It might be videos. You could go live. You can have a YouTube channel. Maybe, um, you know, I do a lot of storytelling in my book on purpose because 
one, that's the way I like writing and teaching. Um, but two, when people read it, they're like, wow, I know this was a marketing book, but I feel like I was entertained and I learned a lot about, you know, entrepreneurship and the journey along the way through stories. So I think it's really about sitting down and going, okay, what do people need to know? What do they need to think? What do they need to believe in order to powerfully choose to buy from me or not? And then what stories do I have that will support them, you know, thinking, knowing, and believing those things? So I totally agree. There is a the connection that you can get from storytelling. And as a podcaster, you'll know uh, I, the, the stories are the golden nuggets in a podcast when people uh, think and, and tell stories about their experiences. That That really makes a really good podcast. But what I'm interested in is, is there a structure like do you teach a structure to how to tell your story? Ooh, so um yes, I'm going to give you one of them because it changes slightly um if you're trying to intentionally sell a story to sell something, like uh you might need more components to what I'm about to sell, say. But um at the highest level, what you want to do is when you are telling a story and I'll, it, this works, whether it's uh, a written story and audio, you're telling it, you know, through the written word, audio or visually. But the first thing somebody needs is to know that this story or what you're about to tell them is relevant for them and they care. Right. And so you want to hook people. And this concept is really important in storytelling and essentially what you can do. An example could be, you know, have you ever, wanted to create content, but you had no idea what to say. And you've spent, you know, hours and hours putting um, nothing on a piece of paper, hoping that a story would come out of you, right? I, I'm making this up, but you, you put, you bring somebody in and say, yes, I've been there. Infomercials, if you watch like yeah. bad American television or yeah. infomercials, great at this. Cause it's like, do you have hair that's constantly clogging your drain? And you're like, yes, yes, I do. It's like, well, wow, we've got the solution for you. But it, it's cheesy, but you want to do something similar in a way that's natural for you, where you're like, hey, if this is where you're at, if this is what you're struggling with, you're going to want to tune in, you know, get your popcorn, pay attention, because I'm about to blow your mind, right? And so you hook them with that, and then you um, you want to tell uh, why, essentially like you want to tell your story. So you hook them, you tell your story, and then you call out what were the important points of your story? Like what were the takeaways? And then um, I like to give a call to action after that. That's the general structure. So it's hook them, tell the story, give them a repeat of the takeaways or the ahas that they should have gotten um, from the story and then give a call to action. And if you're trying to sell something, so to speak, or sell people onto the idea of booking a call with you or something like that, you can share in there, you know, why taking that action um, will impact their life, what value they'll get out of it. And you can kind of beef up the area around the call to action. Um, but that at the highest level is a, a pretty simple structure where you're like, hook them, share magic story, you know, and stories are most effective when you don't, go on tangents. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like stay focused on the story yeah. and tell the points and then give a call to action. And I, when I craft this work backwards, I'm like, what do I want somebody to do? 
And that cut ties back to, you know, do I want them to know something, believe something, do something, whatever. What are the points that they need to know in order to take that call to action? And then what story do I have that can illustrate those points so that I make sure that the story I'm telling aligns with the points? And then where are they right now such that they'll go, yes, I want to pay attention to this piece of content. So I work backwards when I craft it, um, but you tell it in in like a hook story call. Um, takeaways call to action sort of standpoint that's that's fascinating that really is fascinating um what obstacles do you do do people face when building a brand what's the biggest sort of obstacle that people find Ooh, well the biggest obstacle like the biggest biggest one is facing themselves like so often people um when they're trying to build their brand i've heard everything from you know i don't want this to be about me Or what if, you know, somebody says something negatively, worried about bad comments? What if I forget what I'm going to say? You know, who really cares? It's a lot of mindset around um, being visible and sharing their story and sharing their message and building that personal brand. And what I typically like to remind people, and we go through a process, but at the highest level, what I like to remind people is that it's not about you. Like you are just the vehicle of which you are providing um, an opportunity for somebody to transform their lives, regardless of what you're selling. And so you may be telling stories from your life or quote unquote talking about yourself, but you're not doing it just because you feel like talking about yourself. You're doing it through the standpoint of being of service. And so when you can forget about, you know, oh, it's not about me. And you can focus on who it is you're trying to impact, what they're dealing with right now, what they're struggling with and how your product or service can help them. Then you can start to kind of gradually work through the, all right, I'm about to talk about myself, but who cares? Because it's not really about me. I'm actually sharing this so somebody else can realize what's possible for them or somebody else can learn from my mistakes or things along those lines. Uh, Thank you. Um, We're going to jump back to your degree. So your degree was was in journalism. Why did you choose journalism? Oh my goodness. I have loved writing and creating content and stories for all of eternity, pretty much like since I was young. I actually wanted to be an actress um, when I finished high school and I got really scared mindset people. It affects everything. And I didn't think that I would be able to make a career because most people fail. And so I was afraid And I went to college and switched my major a million times, but knew I loved writing and creating and storytelling. And so I went into journalism and turned out a news station, thought I was going to be a journalist, uh, did a postgraduate program um, to meet high executives at um, publishing companies, because I was thinking, you know, if I can get into a magazine or or something along those lines, I could become a journalist. And I fell in love with the marketing people. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, these marketing people are great. They're so energetic. They were funny. And next thing you know, I was taking a job at InStyle Magazine in the marketing department and kind of abandoned journalism. Well, yeah, because your first role was Time Inc., wasn't it? In, in, in sales and marketing. So yep. how did you, not how, but uh, how, how did you fall in love with sales and marketing? Like what, 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 was it a person? Was it, uh, was it just the, the energy? Was it the group? What, what was, what was the driving force for taking that first role? Yeah, it was the energy in the group of, of the people and they were sharing, you know, what life would be like if I were 
working in editorial at a magazine. And at the time I, my age, I had interned starting even high school at fashion companies. And so I thought I was going to work at a fashion comp, uh, fashion magazine. And I just kind of got some sort of insight into what my life could look like. And the marketing life seemed way more fun. And I had a lot of fun. I would um, do events for uh, luxury brands that were advertising with magazines and they would get, you know, Hey, you spend a whole bunch of money. We'll do this value add for you. So I would run events. I would run sweepstakes and contests. I did all sorts of fun stuff. And, um, that kind of led me down a path where I just kept going, all right, well, what would be the next fun thing or interesting thing for me to do? And, and I gradually moved from, you know, magazines to ad working at an ad agency to then working, um, or going back to school and getting my MBA and then ultimately working for big brands like Coca-Cola and Intel and, and, uh, then going, Hmm, let's see what life is like startup wise, because I wanted to learn how to build a business. So it kind of, Graduate all looking back, it all somehow connects, but it was really game day decisions like this doesn't feel right anymore. So let me figure out a new job opportunity. So you've covered some of the points. So so you you then moved to Coca-Cola and Intel with a couple of the big brands that you you worked for. Did you enjoy the corporate environment? Was it something that you thrived in? Um, so it's interesting. I did well in corporate. Um, I thought I wanted to be CMO of a big company. And so I remember while I was at Intel, um, was my first experience working with a coach because they had an executive coach come in and do, it was a group, I was in a group coaching program. Little did I know, um, looking back, I was like, oh, that's a group coaching program. But I was in a group coaching program designed to help me, um, rise in my career. And it was for, um, minority, uh, minorities that they saw, leadership potential in. And so I was at a certain, um, level internally and was recommended for this program, entered the program, learned a lot, networked, um, started building my own personal brand internally at corporate. And then ultimately my, right before my 30th birthday, I shouldn't say right before, because it was probably like I almost a year before my 30th birthday. So it might've been right before my 29th birthday. Um, My aunt was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and that's how my grandmother passed away. So my mom was like, we have to look into this being genetic because my mom's uh, an obstetrician gynecologist. So she's a doctor. And she said, the second my aunt was diagnosed, she said, we have to look into this. Um, My aunt tested positive for the gene marker, which if anybody remembers, um, I think it was 2013, um, Angelina Jolie published an article in the New York times about her medical choice to have preventative surgery because, um, breast cancer ran in her family. It's a very similar gene marker. Um, it's just for ovarian cancer. So my aunt tested positive, my mom tested positive, and I was just sitting in a cubicle going, I don't think this is what I want my life to be. And so I made the decision to leave corporate because it just didn't light me up. It was, it was more that I liked the people. My people were cool. Um, I got to do some cool things. The money was really good, but was I truly like madly in love with my life? No. And I made the decision to give it up. 
So interesting. So I, I quit my corporate job of 15 years uh, last October. So right in the middle of pandemic. And, um, and it's so interesting you say that about um, just not lighting you up anymore. I also thought I was going to be a partner of a big four consulting firm. And, and that was where I was sort of working towards. Um, but yeah, yes, sometimes life, life gets ahead of like, so I had a life situation, a, a, a life uh, changing event, which then made me reassess. So I think these things, um, would you ever go back to corporate? No, <laughs> I wouldn't. No. And, then, and just to follow up on what you said about an MBA that you did, was that pre? Was that was that part of the corporate experience, or was that pre as an entrepreneur? It was. Um, I got my MBA because it was the really the only way to go from an advertising agency into a big brand, um, okay. and so I did it strategically for that reason. Um, so it was it, before uh, I knew I was going to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> has it helped you in being an entrepreneur? Um. I'm sure there are some skills that were helpful and that I learned probably more accounting anything than anything else, but not really. I mean, I think the best way to learn how to be an entrepreneur is through being an entrepreneur um, and kind of going through the experiences and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't go back to corporate for a job job. You know, now if corporate wanted me to come in and, you know, do a talk, to the people and motivate them to like build their personal brands, even internally to help them um, thrive and, and, and elevate their careers. If that's what they're passionate about, I'd consider that for sure. But um, working internally, no. (laughs) Interesting. When I was, uh, I worked with a mentor uh, while I was progressing through corporate and he said to me, everything is sales. Now he was he he was not a corporate person at all. He was an entrepreneur and business owner for whatever, 20, 30 years. But he said, we're gonna approach your career and your as a personal brand, as a as a sales technique. And yes, you need to sell to sell to your clients and cross-sell and etc. But you need to sell yourself in the corporate environment, influence people, persuade people, mm-hmm. promote yourself. Um do you, do you, would you say you, you, do you did you see that as well as, as as an effective way of being able to go through corporate? Yeah, you know, one of the things that my I was really blessed with the the manager that I had, and his name is, is Tim. And one of the things that Tim um, shared with me was that for me to continue to move up, he's like, you need to get your name out there. More people need to know who you are because when you think about corporate, it's like when they're making promotional decisions, they get a bunch of people in the room and they're all vying for their people and to get promoted. And so you need people on like outside of your immediate circle, like your team to be saying, yeah, that person is amazing. (laughs) We agree with them, right? Getting promoted. Mm -hmm. And so my manager, um, suggested and and really encouraged me to do things like in addition to doing my full-time job join another team and cover somebody's sabbatical right so I was doing two jobs at the same time or um to go and um build uh, like create relationships with people in other teams um that were some had similar roles to me but in a completely different business unit um and he had me do um 
a way of getting my name out there. One person on our team had a newsletter. When you really think about it, it was an internal newsletter that he wrote every week. It was just a digest of articles that he would read that he thought were the best during the week. You know, you read stuff. And then it was just an email that was like, here are, it was like, this isn't the name of it, but this is what I'm going to call it. It was like biz bites. It was like little bite sized like sections. And so when my manager said, what can you, you do? Obviously not the same thing, but something along those lines, I created an internal series called Getting Social with Nikki. And I would do lunch and learns once a month. And I would teach people the ins and outs of a new online platform because I was in online marketing as my role. And there were other people that needed to understand social and and other online marketing tools and resources, but they weren't experts. And so I positioned myself internally as an expert on digital marketing by doing these lunch and learns. And so I I think it's 100% true that um, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're in business, you have to um, influence the way people perceive you. Absolutely. Okay, let's come back to uh, to you and your businesses. So, so you've got a podcast called Market Your Genius. Do you want to tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So, um, I started the podcast in I want to say October of 2019. It all happened because earlier that year I was cleaning out my phone. You know, shout out to anybody that has five thousand notes in their phone, and I'm like, I need to delete all these notes. And I found a note that said start podcast that was, I think, three or four years old. <laughs> I was like, hmm. I was like, apparently I had the foresight to start a podcast a really long time ago. I just didn't do it. It just stayed wow. a note in my phone. And so I said, that's it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. And I when I was cleaning out my phone, I just so happened to be speaking at a conference and I had the ability to attend sessions that had workshops and a ton of workshops on how to start a podcast. So I went to every single one. And um, my initial strategy behind starting the podcast was to do a solo show where it was just me talking and teaching people things and then inviting them to join one of my programs, right? But then I had friends who kept inviting me to speak at their conferences or would help promote me and and things like that. And I was like, I'd like to offer them something. What have I got? Like, I have a podcast. Next thing I know, I am meeting and have been meeting for the last, you know, two years or however long it's been, the most amazing people as guests on my podcast. They're people who have um, helped me promote my book, who have, um, you know, had me on their podcasts. All sorts of magic has come from it. So the premise of the show is it's for entrepreneurs, um, whether you're just getting started or you've been in business for a while. And we really focus on um, a lot of those kind of marketing and business <laughs> topics we discussed earlier. Um, but everything from mindset to lead generation, lead nurturing sales, leadership skills, um, content marketing, podcasting, expert positioning, um, a, a strategy. We, we cover a, a number of business topics. Heavy um, on marketing, but not exclusively marketing because as I mentioned, you need other things in place. <laughs> that makes sense for for your business to grow that is so funny that was that was my structure so nearly four years ago I just started doing a podcast on my own and just teaching people about business 
And then as, as I say, then you, I evolved into interviews and now it's like nearly, nearly four years down the line. I've, I, I've got, I don't even know how many episodes. I've, I've done 335 or 336 episodes. I'm not sure how many interviews I've had, probably 150. I would imagine 120, 130. Anyway, it just, so it's a really good, it, it, I, for me, it was a lot about learning a new skill set. So I, I do all the podcasting stuff on my own, um, um and so it was a equally learning skills as well as the voice uh that i wanted to to portray but yeah it's a, it's a great it's a great medium i think it's um it's just so fascinating i get to speak to some really great interesting people like you and get an insight into their business and uh it, it's just it's just an amazing platform to have uh and i'm very thankful for it um but you've also got a book. You've also you're also an author as well. Market your genius again. Um, what? How does that compare and contrast your podcast? Yep. So I actually started the podcast after I got my book deal, and because book deals for anybody that knows something about traditional publishing, it's significantly longer than if you self-publish the book. And so <laughs> my book came out. Let's say I got my book deal in June of 2019. My podcast officially launched in October of 2019 and the book came out in August, the end of August of 2021, um, just to give people some sort of timing. Um, But the book is really focused on how do you get leads for your business, get more dream clients and uh, retain those clients and customers over and over again. And so I wrote it for the entrepreneur that is probably in business already, but struggling to consistently get clients and have that consistent, you know, business growth and and, and honestly business stability. But I, at the beginning of the book, I teach the fundamentals of starting a business because often when people are struggling from a consistent revenue perspective, there are things that go back to fundamentals or foundational pieces that they need to know. So I was like, well, let's support you and also help somebody who's just getting started. So the book is divided into three sections. It's how to package your genius in such a way that people want what you have to offer. It's how to then promote it so that people buy it. And then it's how to deliver it in such a way that your clients and customers not only love what you have, but they tell everybody and their mother about it and then keep buying from you. And so that's the the premise of the book and, and what's inside of it. We'll be back after a quick break. Money is all around us, and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it, and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host, Matt Heslin, brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. Um, well, good luck with the sales of that. Hopefully uh, it's, it's, it's successful. It'll be fantastic. Um, Something that I, I found really interesting when I was doing some research on you, you said you you conduct experiments in business. Now, I'm very much in the same vein. I, I try things and test them. Do they work? Do they not work? 
What sort of experiments do you run in your business or have run in your business? Yeah. So I have um, a framework. I call it the mad scientist framework. Um, It's real. I go into detail a lot on it in the book, but I'm going to tell people what it is now and then give that'll help give you an idea of things that I I test. But the idea came from or or why I started doing this is because I had what I like to call a a symptom called rapid strategy switching in my business where I had, you know, some people call it shiny object syndrome, but I was like, no, I'm switching my strategy every three seconds and I'm switching the tactics along with it. And it would be because somebody would say, uh, this is the way to like basically make a gazillion dollars in your business. And I was like, yes, I'm going to do that. And then I'd do it once it wouldn't work. And then I'd move on to the next thing. Right. And the reality is, is that, you know, what has anybody done one time mastered it and been able to master it every single time since, right? Like we didn't walk on our first try successfully forever, right? We didn't talk and and start speaking and have a fluency and a language. You know, everything takes time and, and you keep going at it. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to focus on one product to one audience for one year and I'm going to have one marketing plan to get there and that's all I'm going to focus on, right? And I'm going to do the same things over and over and over again until I start seeing results, like tweaking them, but doing the same thing. And so I did this for a while. And then I I went back, you know, because a lot of systems and structures um, or frameworks come from hindsight, you know, (laughs) like, oh. Um, And I created what I call the MAD Scientist Framework. And MAD is an acronym. It's M-A-A-D. And it stands for map out your plan. You know, you have to make your plan. Then you have to activate your plan because a a marketing plan on a piece of paper isn't really helpful. So you have to activate it. Then you have to adjust the plan based on the results that you got. So you actually have to track what you did and see how it worked and adjust it. And then you have to do it over again, right? Like you do your plan with those adjustments over again. And I tell people, you know, to what helps me is to put these periods where, you know, you're going to test something out on your calendar and you can do six, eight, 12 in a year. And so for me, if I knew I was going to sell one thing and I was going to attempt selling this one thing six times or eight times or 12 times, right? Then if it didn't do as well as I wanted it to the first time, it wasn't the end of the world because I knew I was going to do it again in like six, eight, 12 weeks, four weeks, however long I was going to do it. And so all I had to focus on was why, what were the results that I got? How far off from my target was I? Why do I think that was? What am I going to do next time to make it better and hopefully hit my target? And so that's kind of how I I go through it and and work with my clients on doing it that way as well, so that you know you're not rapidly switching your strategy over and over and over again. Fantastic! All right, thank you. Um, coming to the end of the podcast of the interview, I ask the same six questions to all of my guests. They're quick fire questions. They don't need a quick fire answer. Uh, first one is, what was the best decision that you made? To quit my job. Quit your corporate job. Yep. <laughs> What's the best piece of advice you've been given? Oh, best piece of advice I've ever given is uh, do less better. Do less better. Right. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Because uh, is, that, is that linked to your, uh, your sort of changing everything all the time as well? Is it? It can be. Yeah. But it was, it was really about, it actually didn't come from a necessarily a business perspective, but I've used it that way. 
But it was um, when I was in corporate, it's like, stop trying to do all of the things and just focus on doing fewer things really, really well and better than others um, stand out. And so I've applied that to other areas of my life and definitely my business. Brilliant. Um, Who's helped you most in your career? Ooh, who's helped me the most in my career? It's probably my best friend, Maria, because she is my sounding board and my cheerleader and my, um, she beats up the inner voice in my head when it's giving me a bad time. She's like, don't listen to that. What the heck is that? So I'm going to give a shout out to Maria, my bestie. That's brilliant. Thank you. Any regrets? No, no, I don't. I tend not to live life in with regrets primarily because, you know, I don't know. I look at regrets with, I can't do anything about it anyway. <laughs> so um, I maybe will take anything like, oh, I wish I did this and, and do it now. But um, I don't think I have any regrets. Do you wish you'd started your entrepreneurial journey earlier? Um, no. I mean, I think some days, yes. I'm like, oh, I should have started this when I wanted to start it the first time. But if I had, I probably wouldn't have learned all the lessons that I got by doing it the other way, you know, which was realizing the impact that mindset had on my decision-making and my fear, how big of a role fear played. And I wouldn't have as good of stories for my book. So, like, <laughs> so I can't really regret it. I'm like, that would have been a whole chapter or two without stories. Um, what are you most proud of? Ooh, I am honestly most proud of this book. I've wanted to write a book since I was probably, you know, nine, 10 years old, and I'm now 37. So there have been a lot of decades and half decades that I said I was going to write a book that I didn't. So I'm really proud that I brought something that I truly love and, and believe is a game changer into the world. Just as, as a side question, how long did it, so you said there was a huge uh, lead in time before you yeah. actually got the book so, uh, available. How long did it take you to write your first draft? I wrote my first draft in 90 days. Really, it was 12 days of writing because I wrote a chapter one day, one week for 12 weeks. Right, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, and and honestly, my lead, my publishing time was impacted by the pandemic. So it might've even been a little bit longer than normal, but first manuscript, I wrote it in 90 days. Right, and, I'm also an English major though, people, and I can write a chapter in a day because I used to write ridiculously long papers the night before they were due. So, <laughs> so your skill set, you'd already developed that skill set. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I had a really long uh, lead time of learning how to cram write before I had to write this book. Um, what does legacy mean to you? Ooh, legacy to me means um, creating a ripple effect in the world long after you're gone. Nice. That's really nice. That's probably the best answer I've had to that question. That's a really lovely way of explaining it. Thank you. You're welcome. And lastly, where can people find you if they want to reach out to you? Ooh, if you want to reach out to me, I would say head on over to um, NikkiNash.co and all of my social links are there. I'm really great at responding to people on DMs on like Instagram and all that magic. Um, But you know, I'm going to add in another magical treat because I know people are like, hey, I want, you know, some fun freebies like 
content prompts to make my life easier and some structures and strategies for making magic happen. So if you go to marketyourgenius.co forward slash magic, and that's the place you go, then you'll get a lot of freebies. Plus you'll find ways to meet me on social. So I'm going to amend my initial answer and say marketyourgenius.co forward slash magic. That's brilliant. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Brilliant. 